Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to talk about outlining projects. I'm going to get a little bit more detailed into that than I have before and offer up some insights on how I go about creating a project and fulfilling it because one of the most important parts of doing any of these creative endeavors, whether it be starting a new music CD project or writing a book or whatever it is you do, it really does come down to preparation and ensuring that you have a framework in place prior to throwing yourself into the effort. So essentially, the first step for me is that idea. Now, this is something that everybody who has any creativity can relate to because it happens no matter where you're at. You could have an inspiration while standing in the line at the grocery store or you could be driving down the road and just something will pop in your head, an epiphany. And the the trick is to capture that in such a way that it's actionable later. So you want to be able to take your very basic idea, such as I'm going to use Glamour and Shadows as an example. Um, I was hanging out at home one night after work and I just thought, you know, it'd be really fun to write a sort of supernatural drama where the characters weren't really worried about whether or not the monsters were doing bad things. They just wanted to make sure nobody found out about them. And so from there, I started developing characters. Um, and those were sort of bouncing around in my head before I even really even sat down to do any specific work. Um, initially, I wanted to have the characters be uh, a vampire who was super serious and then a very lighthearted and frivolous fairy character. And I thought that'd be kind of fun. But as I started to dig deeper into that, I found problems, which we'll discuss in a moment. But that's that was the basic idea that I had in my head. So how did I go from that point to what Glamour and Shadows is now? Um, well, the first thing I did was I, I had a notebook and I wrote down all of my idea as much of it that was formed as I could. In this case, I had an organization. The characters uh, were going to belong to this this sort of governmental entity that dealt with the supernatural. And at first, I didn't know if it would be human-centric, as in humans would be involved in it or not. I just knew that there was a boss, basically. And I had the first scene in my head as well, that the vampire went in and killed a bunch of bad guys in a cave, for doing something really terrible and then when she came out uh, she got a new assignment and a new partner and then I would have introduced the fairy character and so that's sort of how I wanted to begin the adventure now back then I was a little bit less mature about how I would go about creating a project so I threw myself right in and wrote the first chapter now that was that was actually a big mistake in my part because um, I didn't have any idea where I was going and what the overall plot of that first story was going to be. And this is where a lot of new creators run into trouble, is that we have this great idea that we latch onto, and we immediately jump into creating that idea. But unfortunately, usually the idea is just a spark that we need to expand upon greatly in order to have a complete project. Um, in my case, I wrote the first chapter, I reread it, and I realized that I had just created um, the character from Underworld, Celine. And, I mean, she was so much like that that it, was, it, was, it would have been pointless. Um, so I went back to the drawing board. And this time, I really wanted to 
twist it up and make some some interesting ideas and then outline the story properly so that it had the specific elements necessary to see a completed book come out of it. In this case, I detailed out the society a little bit. I, I wrote a document that basically had their very brief history. It didn't go into too much depth, which was good because much later I did explain how the society came to be. Uh, that's in another book, uh, Full Circle and uh, Fairy Tale Ending, both define the society much more. But back then, I just needed a framework. I just needed something for the characters to work for. I then worked on the characters. Now, the characters were going to be uh, dual leads, so to speak. And I really liked the fairy idea, but the male fairy was going to be kind of a womanizer and a little bit out of control. Uh, I switched his gender, and, and we got Ophelia. So uh, she took on some of the traits of the vampire because the vampire was out there killing people for the society to do the right thing, to stop them from hurting people. So I decided to make her the cleaner character that she became. And I needed her partner to have something else going on, and that's how Algier Stanton came along, the incubus who sort of reformed, if you will, and has the responsibility of being a detective now. And once I had those two characters, stories start throwing themselves at me. And so the first story of Glamour and Shadows is really Ophelia's story of her past coming back to haunt her in a lot of ways and that's how I outlined it so once I had those characters done I created some secondary characters peripheral characters the vampire that I made for the original novel came back and she became a villain and I then sat down and went chapter by chapter and sort of had a concept of what I was going to do for the entire book. Now, back then, that was a bit of a problem, too, because I got too specific. And as I came up with better ideas, I had to go back and rework the outline completely. So my new method is to be a little bit more broad. Um, it's sort of a, a foundational pyramid approach. You start with your very broad idea. Uh, in our case, vampire uh, fairy. And then you start narrowing down and changing until you get to a point that you have enough information to create your project, but not so much that you have no wiggle room at all. Because one of the things that is very discouraging for a new creator is to have to go back and redo a bunch of stuff that that essentially isn't the fun part of making something. So when you're writing a book, the fun part is doing the dialogue and creating action and drama and seeing what these characters are going to say to each other. It's not the prep work of uh, defining the way they look and all that crazy stuff. That, that usually is not the part that people find entertaining. Uh, it's why, you know, when we're doing things like painting the house, the least fun part is stirring the paint and not that any of that job is fun, but... You know, getting just getting stuff out to be able to do the work sucks because you just want to get it done and you want to see what it looks like when it's over. Very much the same when you're writing a book. So later on, when I had done other projects, uh, my most recent book that I really detailed an outline for was Crescendo. So for Crescendo, I really wanted to experiment with following the hero's journey. And the way I did it was... I created my universe before I did anything. So 
I designed the dystopian society where the characters are going to live. And once I had that down, I already had some sparks of ideas of the characters themselves who would be in the story. And all I had to really do was make sure they fit properly and find a way to introduce the world organically to people. Now, one of the things is, is when we're doing science fiction or fantasy or dystopian future or whatever, if we're bending the rules of reality, we need a way to convey that to the reader in such a manner that doesn't essentially offend them. And, it, and, and you don't want it to sound like a history book. So it has to organically happen through the story. Oftentimes, the way we do that is we pick a character who is like the reader outside of the norm so that they can help introduce it. They can ask the questions we might have and they can explore the different elements of the story without it seeming contrived. Now, an example of that might be like if you don't have a character who can help, it would be two people who live in that world who would say something like, boy, it sure sucks that we have censorship these days that's so harsh. And the other character says, yeah, without that, we'd be able to do X, Y, and Z. People don't do that. And if they were going to do that, they've already had that conversation a long time ago. Now, there's ways around it, obviously. But a much easier way is to bring somebody in from the outside. And for Crescendo, that's exactly what I did. I chose to have a character who essentially was from our time who found themselves in this mess, so to speak, so that they could ask questions and be surprised and also be the sort of proxy for the reader. So the reader could identify with that character and everything that they were concerned with and struggling with. So once I knew that those two people were going to be in it, a character that was from that time and then a character from our time, I just needed to give them something to do. In the case of the hero's journey, you have a lot of plot elements plugged in for you, essentially. They're very broad, but if you follow them, they're really easy to create a cohesive story that is not uh, that, that, that doesn't have many of the problems that if you just kind of freewheel it would have. Uh, you've got a, a very defined story arc for the character. You've got events that make sense and forward the plot. And overall, you've got something that has been the foundation of many fantastic stories throughout history. I'm not a I'm not like a dramatic advocate of the hero's journey, but I do definitely see its benefits. And this was my experiment with it. So after I built the world, I sat down with the hero's journey that I found online, and I just basically put those headlines each of the parts and then I wrote a paragraph that defined in my world and with my character how it fit with that particular part of the journey. And once that was completely done, and it was very broad, by the way. It was this It was this sort of uh, synopsis of the entire novel. And that really helped me to know what to do per chapter. One of the things that when you do the next part, where you actually start writing an outline that is sort of chapter by chapter, one of the things that can really bite you is that you'll either put too many details in a single chapter or not enough. I found myself early on in the outline process when I was really new to writing books, I would have far too few things happen in a chapter. So it'd only be like nine, 10 paragraphs and I'd be ready to move on. And I realized, well, I really need that to be longer. And when you're preparing your novel, you also have to think about the chapter length because 
chapters for people, especially these days, they want to have progress. And stopping in the middle of a chapter kind of sucks because you're in the middle of the action and you got to get back into it whenever you can come back to the story. So my new method is it really depends on the type of book I'm writing. Most of the time I aim for three to five pages in my word processor to be a chapter and not much more than that. Uh, if I'm writing really hard sci-fi, sometimes I'll go for nine or ten page chapters because the audience really does seem to like that that I found, and it has worked out okay. And it also makes for a very easy to figure out how many chapters you need to finish your project when you're aiming for a specific word count. But let's say that we're going for a more reasonable and manageable chunks of story in the three to four uh, page world. When I knew that, and once I started writing and figured out how much I fill up a story for that with description and dialogue and event, I was able to treat each chapter like a very short story within the world. And then I started to think of chapters as a long serial novel from like the Zorro days and that sort of thing. And once I put that into my head, it made it so much easier to finish the overall project. So now... I'm writing out my chapters, so I do chapter one, and then I write down what basically happens. Now, with the hero's journey, I've got all of these points that I need to cover to finish the book, and in a lot of ways, those can correspond to act, if you want to do a three-act structure or something like that. So, when I started working on the chapter-by-chapter chapter for Crescendo, I kept that in mind. I didn't make it hard nose. I didn't, like, write act one and then all these chapters come under it but i just kept that in my head so that i kind of knew what sort of tone the chapter should be because if you think about a movie and you think about act one and act one is setting the story up and the action and all that stuff and then act two is all the events that take place between that intro and towards the conclusion like the conflict and the moments where the character might fail or terrible things happen, or great things happen, and then at the end, it doesn't look like it might come out the way you want, and then you write the conclusion, and that's Act 3. And if you think about that when you're writing a book, you, you can really sort of gauge how long you've got to write, and how many more chapters you need in order to successfully complete each of those acts. So, with Crescendo, the first act sort of establishes the world, establishes the characters, and gets them moving. It's not that many chapters to finish Act 1. Act 2 really picks up when the characters meet uh, the next person who needs to help them with their goals. And then everything that happens between then and towards pretty much the end of the book is Act 2. It's where they're going out, they're traveling, they're confronting issues, they're fighting monsters, or whatever the case may be. They're getting from point A to point Z, essentially. And when they get close to Z, then we're probably getting close to the conclusion. You can actually see my outline work for Crescendo on the Coffee site. I put the whole thing up there. It's got the uh, world building. It's got the outline itself. It's got the hero's journey stuff. It's all there. I, d I took out the hero's journey headlines, but it's all in there. And you can actually see how it worked. Because it is pretty interesting. And it was... It was actually not a terrible experience to do it that way. I actually had a little bit of fun. Uh, which, just as a quick segue, if you can find prep time fun, then that's a good thing. Because 
the more prepared you are, the more little stuff you do before you start committing to writing a chapter, the better chance you have of finishing the book. Because nothing really breaks flow like getting to, say, chapter six and realizing you haven't even come up with the villain character's name. You know, you need to kind of understand him. So let's move that to the next part of this idea, which is when you're writing a book and you've got all of these chapters, and let's say that you're focusing on one character. Maybe you're writing in first person, like Crescendo is in first person. So we're really looking at the world from Samuel's point of view. But we have to remember that just because Samuel is our perspective of the world doesn't mean the other characters aren't doing things outside of the scene. So we have to kind of think, what is the villain doing right now while Samuel is doing X, Y, and Z? And as you remember that, then the story starts to feel lived in. Think of it as making it feel like a living, breathing, three-dimensional world. If you know what your other characters are doing, sort of on a timeline scale, if you want to be that specific, then you can actually make it feel like that happened when they're introduced. Because you can introduce little events that the characters hear about or experience that are the direct result of the villains. Let's just take a random fantasy adventure. The characters are traveling, they get to a village and they find that it's been burned to the ground. This is the result of the villain that maybe they don't even know exists yet. And maybe they don't even know who did it, and maybe everybody's dead there so they can't find out. But because that happened, maybe later on down the line they find out who did it, and they find out it was the villain, and he was looking for something there that they're also looking for, and they didn't even know that that was an option. Then you can really see, wow, this villain has information that the heroes don't, and he's a couple steps ahead. And, I mean, we've already introduced him without even introducing him. So that helps make the world feel like it's actually a place as opposed to just a sort of stage for the characters to shine and, and talk and interact. So let's move on to the concept of finishing that outline and then translating that to, to actually writing. Once you've got all of your chapters done, you've essentially written the book. It's done. What you need to do now is fill in all the details, bring it to life, bring your style and your technique to the table and actually fill it all out so that people can read it and enjoy it. You do, of course, know the ending. So that is part of the problem. In some cases, people are writing the book that they wish someone else wrote so they can read it. And in that way, we find ourselves not wanting to finish the outline because we don't necessarily want to know what the end is already. We don't want to, you know, write 30 chapters of an outline and know what the ending is because it it loses some of the excitement for us. But you have to approach it from a different perspective. The excitement for an author can't necessarily be, what is this story going to tell me? It has to be, how am I going to tell that story? How is it going to be uniquely me? How am I going to put my spin on this idea and bring it all together in such a way that people will find it entertaining and, and, and enthusiastically get through the whole thing. And ultimately, when you're thinking about audience, if, if you get to the point that you do so, your real concern is not so much, hey, I'm, a, I, I, I'm the audience solely. It is, I want to make sure that they get this story, whether it's super original or not, 
and they find something in it that has a redeeming quality, something exciting to them, something that might even speak to them. It's the reward of knowing that you're going to reach out to people as opposed to uh, satiating your own need for a specific type of book. Now, that's totally fine, but if you want to finish it, you really do need to, to prep your outline properly and get to the end. Oftentimes, when I talk to people and, and mentor some of them online, and I've done this several times, I find people get stuck roughly around chapter eight. The most dedicated individual can generally get out eight chapters, which if we're talking about my uh, concept, it's roughly 20 to 30 pages. And that's when people are like, well, I'm done. And primarily it's because, you know, with a busy schedule, like let's say you've got a job and you've got kids or whatever else you've got going on, you've got a 30 page book that you've just written. And now you're like coming back to it. Let's say you're able to write on Monday, but then you're busy Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then you come back to it Friday and you're like, oh my God, I don't even remember where I was. That's where a lot of people foul up because they just can't remember everything that they've done. And then they've got to reread it all. So then they spend two hours of their writing time rereading everything they did, catching up. And then maybe they write a page and something happens to distract them. That's where the outline comes in. If you outline properly and you take good notes, then it doesn't matter if you take four days off, you'll be able to jump right back in and you'll come right back where you were and be able to create something that is useful for that session. And if you've only got 30 minutes to do, you don't want to waste time having to go back over the entire book. You just want to read your notes, see where you left off, see what you were planning on doing, and then move on. Now, let's talk about chapter length very important. I know I already mentioned it a little bit, but a big pitfall that people have is when they just start going crazy and they write a 20, 30 page chapter. Just, just don't do that. Make sure that you break it up. Make sure that you break it up into manageable chunks so that people can actually enjoy the book in a, in a fashion that makes sense to them and allows them to really consume it in a way that is conducive to their busy lifestyle as well. Because if you're busy, the people who are reading your book are also very busy. So remember that when you're working on things. But uh, that's not really an outline thing. That's just a little tip. However, that is the outlining process. It's a little brief. I plan on going into a lot more detail on my Udemy class. But for now, I think that you've got everything you need to start a project and really kick it down the hill and make it work. If you liked this particular episode, please let me know. Visit our website at www.societycasefiles.com or support the project at www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. Thank you very much for listening. Look forward to hearing from you and I'll see you again soon.